Amen. Good morning, everyone. It is good to be back. This trip is, it's interesting how each time, I won't say it gets easier, but it seems to go by faster. (laughs) I don't know what that's all about. Except that um, because when I'm when I'm there, when we're there, it feels like everything's going slow. So I don't know if God's messing with time or what. But uh, but when we get back, it always feels to me like the time went by so quickly. And wow, we're already back. But it was a it was really a great trip. I I, I may speak a little bit about some of the things this morning. Um, there, but just uh, for your encouragement here, if you want to hear about this trip, this last trip to Nigeria, which um, was very groundbreaking in some very key ways, uh, we will be talking about it more on Tuesday. We will have testimonies. We will have things that the team will share on Tuesday and and share many things that, that happened and that went on uh, that we wouldn't necessarily share um, this morning on a Sunday morning, but uh, uh, but there were some very significant things um, that that we will will be shared, and perhaps the Lord will share a few this morning. Let's go to Him in prayer, and then we'll see what He has. Father, we worship you, we praise you, we love you, Lord. We declare Your will be done, Father. We sit here in unity over that request. Nobody here wants to listen to me. I don't want to listen to me. We gather here in unity over the desire to hear from you what you want to share your heart. So, Lord, that's exactly what we ask for this morning. No matter where we are in our walk with you, no matter where we are in our emotion or our position today, we have a desperate need for you. We have a desperate desire for you. We long for the day when we are face to face with you. Just as you said in 1 Corinthians 13, that when the perfect comes, your son, that perfect love, found nowhere else but you. When he comes and we see him face to face, there will be no need for all the other ways that you work through us. Because we will have you in person in physical. But until that day, Lord, find us longing for that moment. Find us longing to be with you. By faith, allowing that gap to be bridged. Because you built the bridge. Your son paid for it with his life 
through his blood. But it's by faith that we walk over it. It's by faith because we can't see it. Because it is not in this realm. That bridge that brings us to you, brings us to relationship with you, literally begins with the willingness to believe. Not in a fantasy. Father, what we live in is a fantasy. But to believe in what's truly real. What's truly offered us by your open hands. So I pray for that this morning for each of us here and each of us listening online. I pray for that for our Nigeria group. Even as they listen and hear these words online, that they are in heart unified as we are in the faith of what you are doing, in the faith of this bridge that you have built. That bridge will be made manifest because you have said that you're going to do all these things on this earth. But Lord, there is a special opportunity given to your bride right now. And it's offered to each, but only a few will take it. And that is to believe. Believe in what you've said. As the circumstances of our world go against the very things that you have said. We worship you and we praise you. Lord, speak through my mouth. I give you my mouth. I give you my will. I give you every part of me to do with what you want. Forgive me of anything that I take upon myself. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness, Father, that I can be a pure conduit for you. For that is my heart's desire. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. This past week, many things happened, as I said, and, and things happened in Nigeria, which I do believe there is one specific thing he wants me to talk about this morning, but something else happened there that nobody else really knows. It wasn't some out-in-the-open thing. It was something that had happened to me. And yet, I think every single person on that team and every single person here in this room and online has experienced the same thing. I bring it up because I know there are those who are experiencing it even now. 
And that's this thought of, is the Lord really going to do what he said? This thought of discouragement. This thought of, well, did I hear him wrong? I don't know about you, but that's what plagues me often. And I have to fight through it. You know, am I misunderstanding? Because we've all done that. Especially when I apply time. <laughs> if you try to apply time to something God said, you're already going to have problems because God does not operate within time. Right? His plans are outside of time. He works within our time. Don't get me wrong. There is a time for all seasons. But for us to know what that is in the mind of God, it's really difficult unless he tells us. Unless he is specific. But this week, I, I found myself being hit by something that I had not felt before. And perhaps when you hear this, you're going to think that's ridiculous. I mean, believe me, that was my first thought, too, was that's ridiculous. But I got hit with this so heavy, and over the course of probably the first four or five days, of being there, which was half the trip. And that was the fact that God's promises were real and all those things he said were true, but it no longer includes me in the position that he first told me I would be in. And on the surface, that's kind of like ridiculous. And I say this because from your standpoint, you can look and say, okay, no, I don't relate to that because you, you lead Ignition, you lead this church, you lead the mission there in Nigeria, so how can you even possibly think that? That's really ridiculous, doesn't even resonate with me and what I'm going through. But I want to encourage you, don't dismiss it that quickly. Because as absurd as it may sound, it was very real to me. It was very real, the logic that Satan was using to make that seem real. And yet it didn't change what I was doing. It didn't change the movement that I was making. It was simply a battle in my mind to get me to make some decisions that we're not of God. And I say that because I know each of you have been dealing with the same thing. I've seen it even in Lana's posts. I've seen it in Veronica's posts. So it's not just us here at Ignition dealing with this discouragement. But it's the bride. It is the remnant bride dealing with the discouragement that Satan is bringing against them. And why is that? It's because of the literal pain of the ripping apart of the bride that is happening right now all over the world. Remember, what the Lord is focused on right now in his justice is his bride. It doesn't mean that, that the world is not involved 
Of course it is. But his focus is in his justice over his bride. Who will that remnant be that is in this because of his heart and not what they could get? Satan fights against that, and the, the fight is literally that ripping apart, that, that separation, if you will, of those who would believe to those who would not believe. Many of you have felt that in your families. right? We see it in our friendships. We see it in those closest to us. Here at Ignition, we've all experienced that. I, I'm not speaking anything new. Perhaps to some online, if you have not experienced that yet and you are pressed into the Lord, I don't want to discourage you, but you're about to experience it. What I want to point out is this is a, how do I say this? What comes to my mind is a needed part. It's not a wanted part, but it's a needed part of your growth. It's a needed part of your intimacy with Jesus Christ. It is the very trying of your faith that brings that patience. The very trying of your faith that establishes your faith. Your faith until it is tested, until it is tried, is not simply the foundational faith that it needs to be. It's a hope. It's a belief. But until it's tested, it is not battle ready. Does that make sense? Until your faith is tested, you cannot walk onto the battlefield and fight for anyone else. You can't. That's just the truth of it. So God takes you through these times of testing. When I was in that in that. Four or five days, that situation, again, like I said, I didn't share it with anybody. Didn't share it with Alexis. Because in my heart, and honest before the Lord, in my heart, it came down to the fact that it didn't matter to me. It didn't matter to me how he wants to use me. It didn't matter to me the position. It didn't matter if somebody else was going to replace my position. It didn't matter if I thought he was going to use me in this this area and now I'm set aside and somebody else will be used in this area. It didn't matter to me if it didn't matter to him. And I don't say that piously at all. I, I tell you that because that is literally what got me through it. It was trusting in that faith bridge that he had built that he will do with me what he wants. If I tell him from the get-go that my desire is him and him only, then I can't pull back and say, well, wait a second, I thought I was going to have this position and I'm not and, you know, I'm offended. God, you're not using me in the way that you said Do you see that testing of faith really means that what I said at the beginning wasn't true? 
that it's really about him and my relationship with him. And that's what it came down to on that last day of this testing. It came down to me saying, I'm good with that. But God, the promise that I hold you to is that you get to be my best friend and I get to be your best friend. That proximity of intimacy that is what really drove me in the first place in this entire quest. Eight years ago when I started down this road, it was never to build a church. I didn't even know he would call me to be a pastor. Didn't even want to be. I really enjoyed what I did. I built homes. Really enjoyed it. So my goal was not to lead some big ministry. My goal was to become a best friend of his. I used to read in the Gospels and read how John would lean into him. And the interesting thing is, Jesus led him. Right? Jesus didn't lean over to John and say, you know what, why don't, why don't you just kind of sit a little further away because, you know, I don't want the other people to think I like you more and blah, blah, blah. That didn't come out of Jesus' mouth. Or if it did, it certainly didn't stop John. <laughs> no, see, there was an intimate group, even of Jesus' disciples, even of his disciples, there was an intimate group that cared more about that time and intimacy with him than the others. There's an important lesson in that. Because, see, the goal isn't being used. The goal isn't how he operates in your life. The goal is that intimacy. The goal is that closeness. Now, what I can tell you is this. We can even look historically in the Word of God and see that when there is that intimacy, something very special happens because the Lord uses that person in a very special way. If you look at all of the prophetic words that were given, the, the heaviest prophetic words that were given, were given to those that were intimate with the Lord. Think about that. Think about in the New Testament, the, the most profound prophecies given would certainly be what we read in Revelation. The most all-encompassing and who was it given to? It was given to that one who leaned into Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? It could have been given to anyone. Was it given to him because of his gifting? Or was his gifting given because of his intimacy with the Messiah? I'm going to say number two. Because what's weird is... I. I know it is a gifting. You know, Paul talks about prophecy as being a gift. I've never seen it that way, by the way. I've never experienced it myself that way. I've always looked at it as 
He's my best friend. And we talk. And sometimes he tells me to tell you what he told me. I don't, I guess that's classified as prophecy. I'm just referring a friend to a friend. That's all it is. Literally, that's what I believe it was for John. When John was caught up in the spirit. By the way, it's really, if you want to study this sometime, it's really extraordinary. Start at the beginning of Revelation. Go all the way up through, and basically Revelation chapter 1, then 2 and 3 are the church, the letters to the churches. But between 1 and 4, see what happens to John. There are two things that happen. One, he is caught up in the spirit with a vision. But then in chapter 4, that changes. He's no longer caught up in the spirit in chapter 4. He is caught up in the physical. He is physically taken. If you don't believe me, go read it. It's different than at the beginning when he sees the vision and he sees in the spirit one that looks like a son of man walking amongst the candlesticks. And then in chapter 4, he is physically taken up. Physically taken to heaven. And he physically sees, being outside of time, what happens over time. How extraordinary. How cool. Imagine that. How awesome that would be. And yet, how, I don't want to say scary, but you know what I mean. How scary that would be. Seeing something that you don't understand because it's in a time that you can't possibly have any form of reference for. That's what John was experiencing. Why? Because he leaned into Jesus. Because Jesus knew that he could trust him with it. Jesus literally wrote the letters to the seven churches and gave it to John. He could have given it to anybody. He could have gotten that information through anybody. But he picked the one who leaned into him. That's where we find ourselves right now. That's where I found myself sitting on that compound at 3 o'clock in the morning when I couldn't sleep. When the enemy is just plaguing me with these thoughts. I, I remember even the moment that, the moment of threshold for me. I, I won't say it was the moment it broke, although it was the moment that I actually got to fall asleep. When I just said, your will be done. And that's after going through all the process of, did I do something wrong? Did I change things on my end? Did I not pour faith into something that I was supposed to pour more faith into? Did I make choices that I thought were you, but were not? All these things started to run in my mind and plague me. And I'll, I'll be very specific in this way. There were two things that we knew we're on the pathway that the Lord wanted us to do when we were there. One was with Tewase and 
more in that governmental political direction. The other was with a village. And it was more of a revival thing. We knew we were supposed to do this, but we also knew going there that we were to seek the Lord every morning or or seek the Lord every day and he would guide our steps. And I remember getting there thinking, oh, now that we're here, he's just going to pour all this out and it's we're just going to know and it's great and everything else. And he didn't. (laughs) In fact, he didn't pour it out at all. He said, wait. And in my mind, I knew where my focus was on a human level. Or, it's not even a human level, but that's how I'm going to describe it. In my mind, I knew my focus was with what needed to happen with Toase. I knew Michael's focus was on the village. I knew, in fact, the Lord told him he would be the only one to stay the night there at the village. And I remember every time he and I would talk about the village, nothing ever really resonated with me about that. And so as we got there, that's what I started to feel is, was my lack of engagement in that wrong? Did that literally cost what the Lord wanted to do with this team. And these are the things that Satan does and puts in your mind and fights you in your own value, in your own choices. And I'm describing what I went through, but there's not a person in this room who has either not gone through it or perhaps going through it right now or both. Because, see, when Satan knows he's defeated... When he knows strategically the other army is way more powerful than him, all he can revert to is psychops. That's literally all he can do. If he can stop you from using your army, stop you from allowing that power to manifest through you, then it's as effective as defeating the army, which he knows he can't do. So he engages in this psychological warfare, these psychops, to try and defeat you before you even step out for the Lord. You've all all been there. Perhaps some of you are there right now. The number one thing is to come to the conclusion. Because you may not be able to recognize that that's Satan doing it. I couldn't in the time. In the moment, I could not... Under, now, maybe if I had talked to Alexis, or I would talked to Michael, or I would talked to some other people, or whatever, maybe I could have had a sense that that was happening. But in my mind, that would have still been human reasoning. And that's not what I wanted. I wanted God to perform his full will. And it wasn't until I came to the place of being willing to relinquish everything that he has done in me or given me or even promised me. And that's the tough one. It wasn't until I came to that point of being willing to relinquish that that it broke 
And I did. About three o'clock in the morning, I said, Lord, that's okay. If you pick someone else to lead this, I'll follow them. I will trust who you choose. I will do whatever it is that you want me to do because my expectation is not in this world. My expectation is in the intimacy that I have with you. That is the only point that I will fight him on. Just like Jacob did, by the way, when he wrestled with the Lord. It is over the intimacy with him that I will wrestle with him on. That I will say, no, wait a second, you promised. You take everything from me, you take my life. You, you cannot take that intimacy. And you know what? That's what he wants us to fight for. He wants to know that we want him above anything else that he gives. We are on the threshold here of explosion in the United States. Notice what I said. I didn't say in Nigeria. It's already exploding in Nigeria, guys. If you want to know more about that, come on Tuesday. It is exploding there. (laughs) Can't emphasize it enough. It's exploding already. But it's about to do it here. It's about to do it here in ways that will amaze you. You have to trust in what he's doing. But that can't be the focus. The focus has to be your intimacy with him. It has to be literally the foundations that he builds in your heart that he builds upon. And that's what he wants us to understand. See, because faith can be a very fragile thing. We could say we believe. We could say we stand in that belief. But it is until we are willing to give up what we think we have the faith in, that that faith is really established. Now, I said that it didn't break. My knowledge of it didn't break that night. It allowed me to go to sleep, and that was awesome. It really broke the next day. And I don't think anybody even knows this, except I I talked to Alex about it, and I think I talked to Michael about it. can't remember. But it was the next day when we got together as a team in the ready room, the Lord said something that probably didn't make sense or other people didn't pick up on, but it was a loud, resounding, it's over for me. In other words, this battle that I had been in for four or five days. That nothing had changed. That everything he had promised is yes and amen. It is finished on his end. And for me, even when he said that in the ready room, there was an overwhelming sense, not of, oh good, we're back on again. It's still going to happen. Good. It wasn't that at all. It was, Lord, thank you for making my focus you. 
Because even if it went the other way, it would, I would have had the same feeling that the intimacy that he promises is mine and will be mine. Nobody can take that away from me. Nobody. Nobody can give it to me either. Just like you, nobody can take away God's will for your life but you. You're the only one who can change that. Sure, Satan might be able to get in there and stir up circumstances. But the only one that can change God's will for your life is you and your choices. That's why we can't be in this world, guys. I mean, we have to live in this world, like Paul said. can't be absent from this world. But you can't be of this world because when you were reborn... You were reborn into a different world. Into a different understanding. Into a different classification of your thought process. That's where we need to remain. Because that's where you see the building blocks of the foundation of the city that he is building. And it is by faith that that happens. Because there comes a point where that is no longer by faith. But that it is real. It is coming. We've talked about this. The Lord has said this. It's coming on this earth. This readying of the bride. It's coming. It's happening. The foundations even now are being laid. You won't see that if you're stuck in this realm. If if your faith is in what you see, first of all, that's not faith at all. That's why you see people getting caught up in fear. Oh, and that's one of the biggest ones. Caught up in fear over COVID. Caught up in fear over, over, you know, what's coming of this world. What's coming of this country. Oh, man, the liberals are are just in charge and taking everything down and and we can react which by the way that's true nothing nothing of that that's not true we can react to that in fear we can react to that in God's doing something because he said time and time again he's the one in charge he's the one doing it perhaps which is what i believe he is exposing everything that has been hidden before, that Satan literally has gotten away with. You know, one of the things that, and and the key moments, if you will, in Nigeria, and and I believe 100% the main reason for me being there, happened on Friday night. It was an all-night prayer vigil that we had with Tewase, and, and we had brought in the leadership all over Benway, 23 governmental, local governments. We brought in the leadership, uh, his prayer leadership, from all those zones, and had this, there were a little over 500 people there, and we had this, this all-night prayer vigil, which they're used to, we're not, <laughs> 
When something starts at 9 o'clock at night, okay, you know it's, it's going <laughs> to, you, you just need to gear your mind up for that here as an American. But, um, but that's how they do it there. So they don't have to miss work or have to miss church. They do it on a Friday night and then they don't miss either. But that night began just with worship, with prayer, and knowing that the Lord was going to do something special. In fact, this was many of our expectation. We know the Lord is, and we know the Holy Spirit's going to fall. He has told us that. He has promised that. He's shown us that. We've been waiting for it and waiting for it and waiting for it. And, and I mean falling like he did in Acts chapter 2. I mean where in a moment, in the blinking, blinking of an eye, lives are different. From that moment, Peter was different. He was different. I mean, look at him before and look at him after. Phenomenal study. He was different. That's what we have been expecting. That's what we were expecting that night. We're thinking the Holy Spirit will fall and it will become this, all of this stuff and how awesome and everything else. And then when it doesn't happen, what do you do with that? Because see, as a church, we've faced that many times. We'll face it many more. Because if your encouragement is in the item instead of who produces the item, then it will always become a discouragement to you when you don't understand his timing. Because he has perfect timing. He will fall like he said that he would. His people will do more than he did. Hasn't happened yet, but it will. And we are in that season where it's going to. So I was asking the Lord, what is it that this is about? And this was right before I got up to speak. And I can't remember, I think I spoke for maybe 45 minutes or an hour or something like that. But the Lord gave me a phrase he told me to write down. And I I told them this there. And I'm going to tell it to you. Because this has begun. He said, quote, this is a revolution against the darkness. And that's kind of cute. That's cool. That's a really cute saying. You can you could receive that. Oh, yes. Slogan. Awesome. That's cool. Revolution against darkness. But it was real. See, the darkness may not feel dark here. I mean, it's going to. I think it's going to get darker in this country than anywhere else in the world. But you go and live there and you understand that life and you understand what they deal with and 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 that the the spiritual war is as real as anything to them. They grew up with that. They understand that. See, to them, darkness is real darkness. Darkness is something that they have, in many ways, been unable to overcome. 
Darkness is something that has permeated that land. You ever wonder? And 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 I, I want you to understand what I'm saying when I'm saying this. But do you do you ever wonder that that Africa is one of the only continents where there's no place on that continent that has what we would consider first world type amenities. South Africa is close, although it's had a lot of turmoil, a lot of war. There are forces that come against the people of that land that do not come against those in other areas. It is unique in that way. I, I have a belief on that. It's no reason to, to, it's nothing that I want to go down that rabbit hole right now, but it has to do with, with Ham, has to do with a curse that was placed on him. But understand what they're fighting in darkness is different than what we're used to. So a revolution against that darkness it makes sense to me that it is to start there. Because that's where the darkness is readily seen. In America, we're just blinded to it and have been for years. The church is starting to wake up now, but we've been blind to it. There, they've not been blind to it. It is out in the open. It is corrupt. I mean, I don't have to tell you that Nigeria is a corrupt government. All you have to do is read your emails. <laughs> Each one of you got emails from this prince that we all know offering you money. And all you need to do is send $500 to, for postage or whatever it is. Right? It's a corrupt nation. Live there for any amount of time and you'll know that. The darkness that is being fought there is thick, heavy, and deep. And so what has begun there is a revolution against this darkness. It is not just fighting in the Spirit. For we have been fighting in the Spirit for a few years now. Even in Nigeria. There have been court sessions where we have won verdicts over that land, not just Nigeria, but all of Africa. But yet, they have not been enforced. They don't seem to be making any difference against the enemy. So this declaration that the Lord made that Friday night, a week ago Friday, carries a lot of weight. This revolution against the darkness is not a revolution that is only going to be localized. It is a revolution that is going to be global. It is literally taking land, just as the children of Israel did. And where we're at right now is with a choice. Each one of you are. That choice is to believe or not. You know what? Let's turn. 
Well, before I do, well, yeah, before we turn there, go to Deuteronomy 16. I want to read you what the Lord had me declare in Nigeria that night in regards to this revolution, revolution against the darkness. This is God's idea of government. What he set up here. Deuteronomy 16, verses beginning in verse 18. And I read this that night. You shall appoint judges and officers in all your towns that the Lord your God is giving you. Not that you like. Not that pay you off. Not that seem really cool, so we're going to, oh, they're cool, so let's, let's all follow them. No, that the Lord your God is giving you, in other words, those that he chooses according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with righteous judgment. You shall not, you shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality. You shall not accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and subverts the cause of the righteous. When I got to this point, when I was there in Nigeria, I read it again. Because this is what has happened all throughout that land. I'm going to read it again here. The second half of verse 19. And you shall not accept a bribe. For a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise. Do you understand what that means? When you accept even the smallest of bribe and you are put into a position like this, it takes the wisdom that you count on in making decisions and it diminishes it because you become amicable to another idea. Does, do you understand what I mean? We have seen this happen in this country, although it was hidden so well. And now we see it come out, and the saddest part is people don't care. They don't care. If it doesn't affect them directly, they don't care. But they're about to. Because when you start to take away the one thing that affects everybody, then they'll start to care. And that is their freedom. That's why you see freedoms being taken away. You see this whole mandate thing, this whole vaccine mandate thing. It is about choice. What happened to my body, my choice? You know, how about God's body will obey? That's where I stand. Because I'm certainly not going to say, okay, my body, my choice, so you get to choose abortion. No. God's body, His choice. I will obey His word. But it's going to bring out this transparency of those who are bribed. If you don't think Joe Biden is bribed, and he may not know it anymore, <laughs> he may have no idea. But if you don't think he was bribed all throughout his career, man, alive. I, I, got, I got some land in Florida I want to sell you. You're fooling yourself. 
If you don't think that many of those in power have been bribed. Now, by the way, a bribe isn't just, hey, do this for me and I'll pay you a million dollars. Now, by the way, I think he was that too. But that's not just what a bribe is. In fact, Christians can get sucked into accepting bribes so easily. You know, if we're not in tune with exactly where the Lord wants us to walk, then it's easy for someone to come in and say, well, you know what, this kind of goes with what you're saying, but why don't you do this, or why don't you do it this way, why don't you add this? You know, if I I give you this and you do that, for me it works out for both of us. Oh, be so careful of that. Simply go to the Lord and say, Lord, is that what you want? I faced this very thing. I had somebody who wanted to give us a lot of money and be involved, (laughs) purchase their involvement. It was early on, very early on. They wanted to take care of everything. And I remember at the time, the temptation is great, you know. I mean, yeah, you, you know, it would be nice not to have to worry about you know, paying for a building when we get in a building and all this stuff at the very beginning. Praise God, I did go to the Lord. And he emphatically, clearly, it was, there was no doubt about it. He said no. In fact, he said, get away from this person. Get away from him. And that's exactly what happened. And the rest is history. Because how God provides now is extraordinary. He provides financially, and and I've shared this with you time and time again. I mean, do you know we spent more on this trip than we did the entire first year of our Nigerian budget? Is that insane? Between this event between the things we did on compound, between all of the airfare for seven people and the movement for seven people, we spent more on this event, in this trip, this 10-day trip, than we spent the entire first year of our Nigerian mission. That's God. That's God, by the way, with his direction. We didn't just spend. It was on his direction. Every bit of it was his direction. But the point is, he provides. I could have accepted a bribe and had influence that wasn't supposed to be in this ministry. Or I could let God do it. And the tough thing is, sometimes God doesn't do it right there in the moment. Sometimes we have to go through the pain of our decision. The pain of thinking, man, why we should have been in a building a long time ago. You know, we should have this and should have that. Only to realize that, no, this is all part of the course. I look back on the seven years that we have been a house church. And I want to say it was probably about two years ago. Maybe between two and three years ago. For me, where that broke. Where I just... I gave it to the Lord. My desire was no longer to be in a building. My desire was no longer to stay here. I just kind of erased that desire. 
is whatever he wanted. I'm okay with whatever you want, Lord. And I'm still in that place. If he keeps us a house church, it's going to be really interesting to me to see how he fulfills all the other promises. That's going to be a neat trick. But it's up to him. Do you see what I mean? So you will be tested when you make those decisions. But recognize that when you allow these little bribes in your life, when you allow these little feel-goods where you take some monicum of control in your life, when you allow that, it starts to rip at the faith that God is building in your life. That's the very fabric of what he's doing. The very basis for what you ask for is your faith. When you let the enemy rip at that and you let him do it and you engage in it, you are literally going against what you ask God for. And trust me, Satan wants to rip at that faith. Because it blinds the eyes of the wise and subverts the cause of the righteous. The righteous have a cause. Satan knows he cannot fight against this army. He can't. It's not even a contest. Not even close. So he fights this psychological warfare to disassemble the army that has the power. You see what I mean? Because God's not going to go around his bride. He made a pact with her. He made a covenant with her. He's not going to just get rid of her and deal with Satan directly. He's not going to do that. Because then the very reason that he, he created us in the first place is not realized. And that is intimacy with him. That's friendship with him. That's what he gets out of this, guys. I mean, the friendship isn't just for you. It isn't just for me. It's for him. I mean, look, he's a jealous God. He's a God who wants intimacy with you. And he fights for it. But he doesn't make you do it. That's why he will never push his bride aside and say, let me just take care of all this that's causing me problems, and then I'll deal with the bride. No, it's that very faith that he wants the bride to have to defeat the enemy. That is no match for God. But it's proven that he is a match for us. That's where the real war is. The real war isn't God against Satan. It's God against the bride. I mean, Satan against the bride. That's who it really is. And that is, by the way, only a match of equality when we don't want to believe. When we want to believe, our faith will move mountains. It already has. Look in ignition and see what God has done. Go. I encourage you, come, I'll take you to Nigeria. Show you what God is doing there. It's, it's amazing. And there's so many things in the works I can't tell you about right now, but shortly, soon, I'll be able to tell you and see God's hand in every bit of it. It's because God 
want to destroy the enemy, but he wants to destroy the enemy through his bride. That's why Satan fights. He tries to gain authority through bribes, even in your own life. That last verse, justice, the only justice you shall follow. That you may live and inherit the land that the Lord your God is giving you. He is giving us a land. I know this has to do with the land that was promised Israel. But it's no different than what he's promised us. It's no different than what he's promised his bride. This grand mystery that Paul talked about. I want to warn you. Your choices make a big difference. Certainly for your life, obviously. But they make a big difference in the bride. I want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 1. I'm just about done here. This is before Israel. This is after they got out of Egypt and before they were going to go into the land. The first time, not with Joshua, this with Moses. Verse 19 of chapter 1. Then we set out from Horeb and went through all that great and terrifying wilderness that you saw on the way to the hill country of the Amorites, as the Lord our God commanded us. And we came to Kadesh Barnea. And I said to you, this is Moses saying to the people, You have come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up. Take possession, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has told you. Do not fear, nor be discouraged. That's what the word dismayed means. Don't be discouraged. Okay, why why is the Lord, or why is Moses, the Lord through Moses, saying that? Because he knows that that is exactly how Satan fights. When it's an enemy that he can't beat... His greatest weapon is discouragement. We won't turn there, but if you go to Joshua chapter 1, that's exactly what what the Lord said to Joshua. Be bold and courageous. Do not be discouraged. Do not be dismayed, is what the Word says there. Because he knew that Joshua was going to face things in taking that land that were potentially discouraging. It was discouraging after this great victory at Jericho. And then they go to take AI. They take that and then or they go to take AI and find out they get their butts kicked. What happened? What in the world, Lord? You 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 promised us the whole land. Can you imagine the discouragement that set in? Only to find out there was a reason. There's a reason that things happen. That's what you've got to get to, is the reason. Even as a ministry, we have to see there is a reason that things happen. Sometimes, that reason may be as simple as building our faith. But sometimes, it's an encouragement that is not supposed to be there. Sometimes we have to seek the Lord and say, what is going on here? Just like Joshua did, 
as to what happened at Ai. And he found out. It was revealed to him what happened. And then obviously, you know the story. They took care of that. They went on and they took Ai. And Ai was the first land where they were allowed to, to keep spoil. I find that interesting that God didn't allow him to keep, keep any spoil in Jericho. Because that was the sin, was, was that this guy kept some. So I, I don't know if that was a test. I mean, certainly ended up being a test. A test that was failed. But see, God knew ahead of time to tell Joshua, don't be discouraged. Because was Joshua discouraged in the moment? No. Were they discouraged right here when they're about to enter the promised land? Were they discouraged in the moment when Moses said, don't be discouraged? No. But see, God knew what they were going to face. Let's keep reading. Then all of you came near me and said, let us send men before us that they may explore the land for us and bring us word again of the way by which we must go up in the cities into which we came. We shall come. Verse 23, the thing seemed good to me, and I took 12 men from you. I want to point something out here because this is the weight of leadership. This thing seemed good to me. That seems like a fairly benign statement right there. But do you know the first line of defense was Moses himself? Right here. He should have sought the Lord. Lord, is this what you want us to do? Are we trusting in God for every step we take, or are we trusting God for every step we can't see to take? There's a difference. There's a big difference. Because, see, it seemed good to Moses. Yeah, that makes sense. Send some spies in. See how good it is. It makes sense. Total sense. Let's do it. Said, this thing seemed good to me, and I took twelve men from you, one man from each tribe. They turned and went into the hill country and came to the valley of Eshkol and spied it out. And they took in their hands some of the fruit of land and brought it down to us, and brought us word again and said, It is good that the land the Lord our God is giving us. Verse 26. Yet you would not go up but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God, and you murmured in your tents and said, Because the Lord hated us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to give us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where are we going up? Our brothers have made our hearts melt. In other words, our brothers have made us discouraged, saying the people are greater and taller than we are. Why did God say before, don't be discouraged? Because he knew they were going to face that temptation of being discouraged. I would love to know if Moses had inquired of the Lord and the Lord said, don't send the spies in, what would have happened? See, I have a feeling what would have happened then is what is happening right now. You would have a split in that body. You would have a split of some who would believe and some who will react in fear. It's exactly what's happening now. It would have happened then. 
difference is Moses would have been in the promised land. And so would that remnant who believed. That is what God is doing now because he wants to show Israel his intention for them. See, that's why it's important to ask God every single step that we make. Personally, of course, but as a ministry. He needs to guide our every step. Unless he says, okay, take the next five steps and go to this direction. Okay, that's him guiding those five steps. But if he hasn't told you beyond that, you stop. You don't do anything. He has taken us through this exercise as a court team for a while now. He took us through this, through this when we were in Nigeria. When he, where he said, do not move until I say to move. And until that point, you wait. In the book of Daniel, it talks about this. The whirling wheels. They would seek that revelation from the Lord. I mean, go read it. It's really an extraordinary study. They would seek that relation or that, that information from the Lord. When it's downloaded and given, they move. They move all in one accord. They're not stopped. They're not stalled. They move. Until that's accomplished what they were told. And what what whatever they were told to do, then they come and they stop. And they wait. And the wheels just move. They wait for that next download. They wait for what the Lord wants them to do. That's what he wants in his bride. Not for you to take in your own logic, well, I know the next steps. I know what I need to do because this, you know, I mean, I've been around a while. I, I kind of know how things work. So this is the logical step. Ooh. I'm here to tell you, God is not working in logic. It might be the right step, but it might not. I've seen it time and time again. When you are not waiting on the Lord to hear what He wants, you put yourself and you put others in danger. That's why God was saying here, don't be discouraged. And I want to say that to this church. I want to say that to those online. Don't be discouraged with what you see. Don't be discouraged if things are not coming out yet what the Lord has shown. Don't be discouraged. Because this is the heat of the battle. That discouragement is the heat of the the moment of choice. The moment the Israelites became discouraged, it was over. The moment. Don't let that be a part of even your thought process. Fight it. Go to the Lord with it. Now, if there's something because the Lord has allowed it to come, you know, authority or anything else, deal with it. But if it's that things have not happened yet that you've been waiting for, that the Lord has shown you, don't be discouraged. 
Because in that valley where discouragement hangs so heavy, that's where victory is also found. And that's where we'll find it. Alexis, come on up. Cool. Again, how the Holy Spirit works. We talked about being stretched in the ladies' class this morning, and um, I definitely see the theme of what the Holy Spirit wants to remind us of. And before we pray and close in prayer, um, it's it's wild how everything comes back to Matthew six thirty three. This whole kingdom walk and what the Lord has called us to. Because Greg said earlier. We don't live here, or at least we're not supposed to, right? And I don't know about you, but um, the balance, I'm often asking the Lord when I wake up, God, get my head straight. How do I, and then at other times I'll say, Lord, how how do I live in the human realm of my existence and yet really just be continually in the spirit and, and balance that? It's, it's just a moment-by-moment moment yearning for him and for his ways and his thoughts because in this age of technology, there are suggestions and there are voices all around trying to tell you the way it is, whether it be this is how things are done or this is just what you do or this is – it's normal to feel this. And, and certainly in this culture today – Fear is a huge entry point to discouragement. That is what's being incited in, on every turn. And any amount of media, it's even real sneaky slipped into certain commercials. Um, leading up to Thanksgiving, I noticed just little nuances of um, all under the guise of health and protection and wanting you to have the best Thanksgiving possible. They slip in these little these little fear statements that be sure to do it this way and you might want to start out and have a gathering, you know, in your garage and stay away from people that are older and, you know, because we just want you to be safe and healthy and have the best Thanksgiving ever. And it's, it's these weird, twisted, it's like this psychological warfare to try to have you think in ways that are, are contrary to kingdom thinking. And so it's, it's really, it is a constant battle to... To just soak in the ways and the mind of Christ and let that take over. And I know that um, I was reminded at the beginning of his message, that song, it's a Red Rocks worship song called More. And the lyrics are, I just want more, I just want more of you. And I just thought, oh, that, that is what I desire. Um, I don't. I don't know what certain things look like. Even specific words spoken over my life, and many of you probably feel this way too, I don't know what that actually looks like here on this earth when, we're, when our human realm experience is, is actually navigated in the kingdom. And it's just a daily trust. And so I was like, Lord, I, I just want more of your voice, your fellowship. I... I I want to know that um, that I'm just completely in sync with you or nothing really makes sense. And more and more, like Bryn said last week in the message, we're not supposed to be okay with the way that this world is. 
We're, there's supposed to be a rising up in our spirit against these, these things that are introducing themselves as normal when they're just absurd. But we are and can walk in the peace and in the rest of the Holy Spirit and in all of his fruits. So, um, so it's just, it really is about, and I think she even said it this way too, but it was, it's enjoying in the process this beautiful invitation to walk with the Lord, not just seeking the destination where he's taking us. And um, there are surprises along the way. But um, if there's one thing I did see in Nigeria is how easy it is. And the team is really aware of this, praise God. But that when you have a lot of work to do, when there are things that that need to happen, you know, the... The, the chickens and the the operational things on the on the compound, your your tasks, you're busy in the doing, and yet you have to pull back and look at what your real reality is, and just watching how things are developing and going there reminds me so much of the disciples. You know, they had to find food to eat, they had to prepare for different meals, they traveled, they set up tents, tore them down, went to the next place. There were human realm things that they were involved in. All the while, Jesus is speaking kingdom. He was speaking into ways of looking at things that were not affected by culture, not affected by the way the religious world around them expected them to think and react and and act like. And that's really what we're in now. And um, so what a great reminder. Um, If you haven't been discouraged or aren't now, um, just being warned of it, that when it tries to knock on your door, knowing how to stand against it and resist it and um, deal with any open door of authority, keeping in a short account of our, of our um, you know, mistakes or sin with the Lord is, is a great way to protect yourself. But such a good word today. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you, God, for your word. God, thank you for showing us your character through the stories and through the people that were written about, God, in your word. I thank you, God, that you you invite us as citizens of heaven, of a kingdom realm that when we accept you, we live in, God, that allows us to um, live and move and have our being and our mindset in you, Lord Jesus, guided by you, Holy Spirit, and doing the will of the Father. God, I just thank you so much for this. God, I just, I just desire that with all my heart, God, that, that that closeness with you that you promised, Lord, would, would not in any way um, diminish or, and I praise you that it cannot be taken as long as I just every day just give you my yes. And I just pray, God, that you would open the eyes of your people to see how glorious it is to just walk with you and talk with you and and fellowship with you and be guided by you and not have to lean on our own understanding that that as Moses thought seemed to be good how often disastrous mistakes are made when we lean on our own very limited understanding where we can seek you almighty God for the full picture that in that moment you will guide us even when we don't see the full picture of our future In that moment, God, you will give us an answer and we can trust you because you are true and you are good and you work everything together for good to those 
who are who love you and are called according to your purpose. God, I just I just praise you for that. And Lord, I do pray that you would bring encouragement today, God, to anyone who is facing particular discouragement or or maybe um, even in a funk that they can't fully identify. Um, but God, that where there's unrest. Lord, I pray that it would just be laid at your feet and that we would receive, Lord Jesus, your invitation to come unto you. Anybody that labors and are heavy laden, and then in exchange you will give us rest for our souls. Thank you, God, for these beautiful promises that we can cling to. God, I just love you and I praise you, God. And I just pray that your will would be done, God, that you would prepare us in closeness with you. There is no other way to prepare for the explosions, the suddenlies of what are to come other than just deep fellowship with you, God. That is the only preparation that we can have um, is just listening to you and what you would have us do. But we know that um, when we cling to you, God, that we we won't miss the mark, Lord, if we just stay attached to the vine. And so, God, I just pray for that. We, we welcome just your will to be done, God, through ignition, Lord, through the remnant, Lord, and this uh, great awakening and mass revival, Lord, that is coming, Lord. We thank you that you have even invited us to be part of it. And I just pray that all that you have spoken would come to pass, and I declare that it will in the mighty name of Jesus, God. Just encourage us, fill us up, help us to continue to ruminate on this word even throughout the rest of the day and to hear something that you want to speak directly over us personally because you're such a personal God. I pray all of these things in the mighty and holy name of Jesus. Amen.